Those are those bars. are crazy like, bars. There's black, no way black, you can't bodies. just yeah you can't just like sway or dance out of that. You know, <laughs> like when somebody sings that, especially in an intimate setting, you just, you're I, and I love this because I love when people artists force people to think. You don't want that put out there. You don't want that to be in the know. Mm-hmm. Fuck that nigga. Um, welcome to the Any Last Words Pod. My name is Keon, aka Almighty the DJ. And I am Earl Lonnie Hooks. Special thanks to all of you joining us today on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, as well as YouTube. The God in me honors the God in each and every one of you. How would you like to start us, Keon? What do you you got for us? So I came on here like last week or the week before, and I said something that was, I thought was pretty ignorant. Um, Something- Upon reflection. Upon reflection, yes. I said something that I thought was a little ignorant. Those weren't my intentions, but I'm going to save myself from the mm. depths of the hell that I that I felt like I put myself in. Okay. Um, That's nice. That's I good. was talking about the cherry blossoms and I was talking about, I was just giving so much negative feedback and just negativity towards these cherry blossoms because of the amount of tourists right. that they bring. And, you know, I, I talked about how I went up to the tree. I kind of, saw it for what it was, saw a little bit of the beauty in it. Well, even after all that, I decided that that wasn't enough because I still I still sounded really dumb. And I don't want to come on this platform and just keep sounding dumb. Okay. So I did some research. Teachable moment. That's that's good. That's um, good. Cherry blossoms themselves signify springtime uh, and the time of renewal, I guess, time going into this warmer weather mm. and rebirth. Yeah, kind of a rebirth. Yeah, you could say that. Um, a time to be merry. Um, what I did know about them is that they were a gift uh, from Japan mm-hmm. in like the early 20th century. Um, but they celebrate something called Hanami. It's a Japanese custom in which people just kind of gather together and sit under the cherry blossoms and eat good food and be merry and drink beers and whatnot. And after I actually did the research, I humbly can say that what I said was really dumb. And how, I, <laughs> how, how am I going to hate on somebody sitting under a fucking tree, drinking beers, having a good time with their friends? I was a hater once again. <laughs> <laughs> that, so. That's really, that's really good. That's really good. And that's big of you. That's wow. That's very interesting that you came in here and did that. It's, it's funny to me sometimes and to you as well, because we've spoken about it. These wonderful and completely accidental, harmonious moments that come together. Mm-hmm. Because you have no idea about anything that I'm going to talk about today. We usually do it that way. Mm-hmm. But you had a teachable moment in which you saw the error of your ways. You decided you were going to go and try to make correction for that error. Right. And you went and you did the research and you thought about it. And you had the will and the courage to come here and rectify that. It's penitence. Yes, sir. I just, I just, you know what I'm saying? I was just thinking like, penitence. I'm, I am talking so much shit about something that I don't know anything about other than the fact that it was a gift by, from Japan in the early, early 
um, in 1912. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all I knew about cherry blossoms. Right. I knew that they were a gift from Japan. But other than that, I was just shitting on them. And I'm just like, let me actually do some research. And after doing that research, mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know what? Now that I know the meaning, more of a, you know, more of the meaning, the customs, the culture behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, how can I hate on some niggas sitting under a cherry blossom tree, drinking beers, having a good time? Enjoying the How themselves. can I hate on that? Right. Because you do a lot of the same yeah. things, just not underneath cherry blossom yeah. trees. I yeah. can't hate on that. Right. Exactly. So... so out of this book, Beyond Order, I've been I've been reading. I've been devouring this book. I see. Yeah. <laughs> there was there have been a, a lot of I mean, the whole book is fucking good. But there are a few parts that really, really spoke to me on various levels. And it's great that you have and some people that I know have the the attitude of if I have an inkling that I'm wrong or I don't know something or I'm acting on just grounds of pure ignorance, Mm. let me try to correct for that. Mm. Let me try to see what it is I couldn't see when I made this ignorant, stupid, dumbfounded, narrow-minded remark. (laughs) (laughs) No shade at you, but just in general, though. (laughs) I think that this is something that hopefully people... This this resonates with them. Hopefully they can connect to it. And if it's not necessarily connecting to them, which I believe this should, because on some level, I think we've all fallen into this more people, a lot more than others. Mm -hmm. And then I'll tell you about a realization that I had this week that stemmed from this and many other things that I'm certain were just in the undercurrents of my subconscious for some time and just needed to take time to rise to the top. Okay. And I read. So the section of this book is called What is the Fog? And I'll I'll read this first before I go into anything. Imagine that you are afraid. You have reason to be. You are afraid of yourself. You are afraid of other people. You are afraid of the world. You are nostalgic for the innocence of the past, for the time before you learned the terrible things that shattered the trust characterizing your childhood. The knowledge you have gained of yourself, other people, and the world has embittered more than enlightened. You have been betrayed, hurt, and disappointed. You have become distrustful, even of hope itself, as your hope has been repeatedly shattered, and that is the very definition of hopelessness. The last thing you want is to know more. Better to leave what is enshrouded in mystery. Better, as well, to avoid thinking too much or at all about what could be. When ignorance is bliss, after all, Tis folly to be wise. Imagine more precisely that you are so afraid that you will not allow yourself even to know what you want. Hmm. Knowing would simultaneously mean hoping and your hopes have been dashed. You have your reasons for maintaining your ignorance. You are afraid, perhaps, that there is nothing worth wanting. You are afraid that if you specify what you want precisely, 
you will simultaneously discover and all too clearly what constitutes failure. You are afraid that failure is the most likely outcome. And finally, you are afraid that if you define failure and then fail, you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was you that failed and that it was your fault. So you do not allow yourself to know what you want. You manage this by refusing to think it through. You are happy, satisfied, and engaged sometimes, and unhappy, frustrated, and nihilistic other times. But you will not inquire deeply into why, because then you would know. And then you would encounter yet again shattered hope and confirmed disappointment. You are also afraid, but for different reasons, to allow others to know what you want. First, if they were to find out just what you wanted, then they might tell you, and then you would know, even if you were fighting against gathering that very knowledge. Second, if they knew, they could then deny you what you truly wanted, even needed, and hurt you much more efficiently than they might if your deepest desires and therefore your vulnerabilities remained secret. The fog that hides is the refusal to notice, to attend to, emotions and motivational states as they arise, and the refusal to communicate them both to yourself and to the people who are close to you. A bad mood signifies something. A state of anxiety or sadness signifies something, and not likely something that will please you to discover. The most probable outcome of successfully articulating an emotion that has accrued without expression over time is tears, an admission of vulnerability and pain, which are also feelings that people do not like to allow, particularly when they are feeling distrustful and angry. Who wants to dig down into the depths of pain and grief and guilt until the tears emerge? Involuntary refusal to take notice of our emotional states is not the only impediment to dealing with them. And it goes on. It goes on. Continues to talk about people in their willful blindness. Mm -hmm. And you've probably heard this term before, their plausible deniability. Mm -hmm. If you don't know something, then you don't have to feel the responsibility or the burden of not fixing that thing Mm -hmm. because you don't know. Mm -hmm. And you're okay with not knowing. It's easier. It's, it's less work. It's much easier. And it's so sad. <laughs> That's so sad. I was reading that. And I just know far too many people that fall into that. Mm-hmm. Far too many people that will willfully decline knowledge and wisdom in an expansion of consciousness and sight because they don't want to see these things. Mm. They'd much rather embrace their ignorance, stay within their lane, because if you don't step out of that, then you'll never be a beginner. You'll never be looked down upon in whatever new field you decide to get into and you'll never fail. If you don't try, you don't fail. Mm -hmm. And it's sad that I that that I know too many people that fit into this thing because I just imagine it being 
such a fearful and vacuous lifestyle, a mind, a mental state to be inside of, to run, to run away from enlightenment, mm-hmm. to willfully do it. And so I was, I was reading that and I was thinking about it a little bit, you know, I've come on here and had these five, three minute, five minute meditations that I've guided us through before. This last week has been interesting for me. I've definitely augmented the time for myself. I've had three meditations in the past three days over an hour long. Wow. Hour 17, hour 14, I believe, and like an hour seven this morning. Okay. And there's such a clarity that comes with that, a level-headedness that allows me to to analyze and and gain a new level of discernment when trying to trying to look at some of these these problems in life. And I started thinking about something that my grandmother's told me for a very long time. You know, you can start getting older, you you don't got the energy to do a lot of shit. So you just <laughs> you just somebody coming to you with some sort of conversation that you don't want to have, you just listen, I'm not having this conversation. Get, leave me alone. Like I'm not I'm not having it. You stupid. I'm tired. I'm not having it. Mm-hmm. And I've I've been around my grandmother when she's looked at people in which she has deemed just the most <clears throat> idiotic humans. And she says to me, "Why do you have conversation with these people? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you entertain this?" And I think I've always felt like I was always supposed to try, mm-hmm. at least try to, as best I can, raise someone's consciousness or have them, if I can, if I can detect folly within their logical reasoning, the algebraic equation I talk about to try to put the pieces together so that they can go on the next time and think a little bit better for the next uh, the next problem that they have in their life. And I read this thing and I had that hour-long meditation and I started to think about time management a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And I talked to you about this a few days ago about managing my time and my efforts. Yeah. Because... Time and our energy are both finite things. Every day, there's only but so much of it we have on a, on a daily basis. There's, I got to get my hours of sleep in. We, we work, we eat, maybe go to the gym, do the things that we enjoy doing, have certain conversations with people. But there's only but so much time for these things. And I'm at a point in my life, which I also think you are too, you've spoken about this, in which we're trying to Take the reins. Definitely. And I'm talking about trying to maximize my time, maximize the efficacy and efficiency of the things that I'm doing Mm -hmm. and moment to moment basis. Mm -hmm. And when I think about doing those things that better me, I came to, I can't have, I can't, I can't go to every party I'm invited to. <laughs> I can't I can't take every invitation that's handed out to me. It's just it's unreasonable. You mm-hmm. can't you can't do that. Mm-hmm. 
especially if you're thinking about trying to have the energy and the time to do the things that truly matter, that mm-hmm. truly give you meaning. And so I read that thing. I had that meditation. I thought about my grandma saying these things and she never quite articulated it well enough for me. It just came off. It's just like, they're stupid. Why do you do it? Mm-hmm. If you have a conversation with a fool, you a fool too. <laughs> right. These old sort of sayings, but yeah. yeah, but there wasn't enough articulation. I need a real solid bedrock underneath it to understand, to understand things. So I came up with some criteria for, okay. for what, like, whether or not I'm willing to have a conversation with someone. Okay. <laughs> especially of any sort of importance. Is this like a checkbox? Like you got to check the boxes off? It's like it's sort of like checking boxes, but it's I'm, I know that it's going to read on more of a subconscious level. I'm going to be, you know, loosely reading these things and then reading each of these things on different levels. But I do know that through this, through this building of this criteria that a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders because I thought I don't need to have all these conversations with these people because so many people are going to be stuck with their plausible deniability, Mm -hmm. their willful blindness. And that is just realism. This is interesting because I feel like it's just a, it's just a complete 180 Mm -hmm. from what, from a lot of things that you've, preached on here previously like now. And, and that's what's amazing so that's that's why what you said was just like the perfect setup for this uh-huh. is i've always wanted and i talk and i re- preach this on here a lot too is that i've always wanted and want to remain teachable mm-hmm. i always want to be able to say you know what let's recalibrate mm-hmm. i don't i'm not married to these ideas so if something is not is no longer working for me, we can take that out. We can take that out and we can replace it with something new and better and more polished. Okay. So that's what this is. So one is respect. First and foremost, right? Like so they need to have it? Indeed. For themselves. I yes, I'm them. going I'm going into conversations respecting everyone. Right, always. Right, right, right. So I mean, it goes without saying, if someone's like screaming at you or calling you out your name, the conversation's done. Yeah. Like, you're not, my name is Earl, and we're going to speak at a normal level. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not <laughs> screaming at me like a child. So that goes without saying. That's mm-hmm. always been there. Mm-hmm. But also, if someone's continually, and some of these kind of run together, if someone's continually cutting me off in conversation, speaking over me, Clearly, you want to have the floor and you want to talk. So go ahead and talk. I'll listen. I'll observe. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. But you, have, but now you have taken you have taken the dialogue mm-hmm. away. It's going to be a monologue. You're going to speak. I'm going to listen. I'm going to possibly. I'm going to learn something. You're not going to learn something. I'm going to come out of this better than I was when I walked in. You're not, mm-hmm. and that's okay now. Because you didn't give yourself the proper opportunity to learn from this experience. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. I'll learn and walk away. Mm-hmm. And that'll be that. <clears throat> Presence, which kind of goes along with with respect as well. It's more so in alignment with attention because people lack that. And I've spoken to you about this before. The days of me speaking to someone 
that is constantly checking their phone is over. <laughs> it's over. And, and a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's the day and age. That's fine. Not with me. Mm-hmm. You won't be having conversation with me. My words in conversation with people, people get it. I probably get it twisted if they just listen to this podcast. Speaking of shout out Richardson, Texas, you know what it is. <laughs> uh, people that probably just listen to this podcast probably get it twisted and think that everywhere I go, I'm talking a lot because they come here and they listen and I'm talking a lot. Mm-hmm. This is a podcast. Mm-hmm. That's not how I conduct myself when I'm out amongst people. My words amongst social groups are limited drops. You know what that is. Mm-hmm. Okay. People love exclusivity mm-hmm. when it comes to their bags, their shoes, their albums, their whatever it is. It, these are limited drops. You, you have to show me that, me spending my time here and using these words is is you, that it's worthy of this moment. I'm not going and wasting time having these conversations if you're being disrespectful, you're talking over me, or or you're not even going to be present there while I'm speaking. I just hold my words in my presence to a higher standard now. Mm-hmm. And if I'm speaking to someone and they are constantly flipping over their phone, scrolling through stuff, I that's you go ahead and do that. You have lost me now. We're not I'm not going to continue to to try to compete with your phone. I'm not doing that. So that's another one. Uh thirdly would be objective <coughs> in conversation. Is your objective solely to give me a message? Is it solely to try to indoctrinate, induce? I That's fine. Again, you can go ahead and I, it's easy. I pick it up at a moment's notice when people aren't there to have a pool of conversation in which people put their ideas in. We mix it around. We have a good time and we, we come out with a newer understanding of each other. If that's not your objective and it's easy for me to tell that these days, then again, you can go ahead and talk. I'm not I'm not competing with your ideas. Mm-hmm. That's I, that's not what I'm here to do. That's not my objective in conversation. I'm not doing it. Fourthly, some sort of substantiality in knowledge on any given topic being spoken about. Someone the other day tried to have a conver- they tried to and it was so funny too because at the beginning of the conversation they told me that they knew nothing about a certain field of knowledge. And then through the conversation, as I pressed them and told them that I didn't necessarily agree with something that someone that they deem knowledgeable or worthy of listening to and following, I didn't agree with what they were saying. Then they started to then try to give me the facts and tell me the way that this field works. Mm -hmm. And they had no idea how it worked. And you could tell by the way that they spoke on it. Mm -hmm. It's called the unread library effect, where you have a huge library in your house, million books, haven't read one of them. (laughs) It means you listen to other people talk about stuff. And then you go and you regurgitate whatever they said, but you have no real firm understanding of what they were talking about. You're just saying what you just heard. Right, right. So... If that's also the case, and I can clearly tell you have no clue what you're talking about, 
and maybe you're also not present or you're speaking over me. If you, if if there's a, a mixture of these things, you I you have lost me. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and get your ideas out. I'm going to learn everything I need to learn about you right now, and then I'm going to keep it moving. These words are limited drops. Everybody does not just get my conversation from here on out. Period. And that's that's how I'm, that's how I'm rocking. And that is just a new reality that I've come to set myself in. There are people out there that just want to remain willfully blind and you can't, there's only but so much responsibility that you can bear. There's only so much that I can do. There's only so much that you can do. And if someone's not willing and open to have these sorts of conversations that propagate growth, that encourage furthering and understanding, that's, that is completely okay because I need every bit of time that I can while on this precious planet to <laughs> every second to to every spend minute. to spend time with people that love me, that care about me, that do <clears throat> want to have those types of conversations. I need time to meditate, I need time to hike, I need time to work, I need time to sleep, I need time to care for myself, I need time for all these other precious things. I just don't have time for that anymore mm-hmm. so that that is where your cherry blossom sort of that's that's where it catapulted me okay. into yeah it's, it's been it's been a wonderful week but i've just felt such such a large weight lifted it just and that's such a great phrase too because it truly i felt my shoulders just relax i felt my whole body relax and said mm-hmm. there are so many battles I don't have to fight. That's true. <laughs> it's so more serene. It's 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 so much more peaceful. I don't have to do these things with you guys. Cuz just imagine how many conversations you've had with somebody where you kind of like jump into the conversation knowing that you're not going to get anything out of it mm-hmm. and then when you're done with it you're you're just wondering like why did like why did I why did I even go into that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's 1000%. So <clears throat> That's where that's where I stand on that. I feel really, really good. <laughs> I feel really good about nice. it. So nice. So, so, so that's where I'm at. And that's that's all. That's that's what I had. That's what I had. All right. Um, I got a little story that I want to I want to tell. Um, it's about someone else's life, mm. and there's a bunch of um, other cool things, you know, that that might trickle in here. Okay. But I'm gonna start out with. I'm with it. <laughs> Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. I forgot where he's the senator of. I want to say it's Georgia. I could be wrong. I'm sorry. I'm not hugely into politics. <laughs> um, but hearing something that he said made me think of something else. And I'm going to pull these two things together real quick. So uh, Senator Lindsey Graham was interviewed, I want to say like last week. Um, one of the questions was, is systemic racism a part of American culture? Is it in American policing? Things like that. And he answered simply with no, because we elected a black president to two terms and we have a woman of color in the vice president's seat as we speak. And I heard that and I'm just like, I'm so tired of these lame ass 
<laughs> fucking excuses and justifications. Mm. Like when I hear when I heard him answer that, it made me think of, oh, that's the same as I have a black friend, so I'm not racist. <laughs> The country elected a black president, so there's no racism here. Like, stop it with these surface level ass questions. Start asking these niggas some real questions with some real details. Don't I don't ever want to hear nobody ask a politician, does racism exist? Yeah, yeah. Like, stop asking these simple ass questions. Like, you're gonna get a simple ass answer, like what he said. <laughs> And so when he, when he said that, like, this is a Senator, my nigga, like, (laughs) like, come on, dog. Like, like, so when he said that, (laughs) it just, it it made me a little upset. I'm just like, and it made me think about something you said in a couple pods ago. I'm tired of these people thinking that they can just pull the wool over our faces and that you know, you know that they're pushing this narrative that you you brought up a couple of weeks ago about how black people are dumb and ignorant, and you throw a couple of roadblocks in front of them that they ain't gonna be able to do shit, and they're just gonna submit, and they're just gonna take you know bend over and just take the bullshit that comes with being a black person. Old old saying: If you want to hide something from a black person, put it in a book. I've never heard anybody say that before. <laughs> mm-hmm. But. Like when you said like you're tired of that narrative, I've actually been thinking about that like the last couple of weeks. Like, yeah, like we, uh, I'm tired of that shit too. Like that's whack. And I think that black people are way better than that. And you know, I know you said that as well, but I'm saying it again. Black (laughs) people are way better than that. Fuck that. And you know, shout out to the people. Like we're going through a revolution right now. Like we're going through what I'd like to say is another civil rights movement right now. And shout out to the people that are out there in the streets fighting for what they believe in, you know, fighting against the systemic racism, the oppression, shout out to all those people. But I'm going to highlight one person right now um, that I didn't even know was really in the civil rights game at all. Um, And we were doing, we did a couple of sessions of just kind of highlighting, um, civil rights active no not civil rights activists but black people right. in general that have brought things like Garrett the, Augustus yeah, Morgan yeah, yeah that have brought things into the world or that have just they they've made an impact mm. on this world in some way so i'm going to bring that segment back real quick uh billy holiday she's a sing or was a singer um she sang the song called strange fruit if you don't know what that is go listen to it um, it's a really, it's an, it's kind of an eerie kind of song to be I'm, honest I'm, with you. I'm certain strange fruit hanging um, from the poplar trees. Yeah. And it, if, and if, and if you haven't heard that song, you've heard it sampled on blood on the leaves by Kanye West. I was just about to say that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yes, it was sampled on blood on the leaves by Kanye West, which also just gradually and awesomely transitions into another sample uh, down for my niggas by C murder. Shout out to C murder. Mm. Um, Gracefully and beautifully transitions into yet another sample. I got to highlight that too, but I'm going to read you a little story, a little small biography about Billie holiday. um, And I'm going to tell you about how she didn't submit to the bullshit. Okay. Okay. I'm here for it. So hold on. Here we go. Here we go. 
in March 1939, a 23-year-old Billie Holiday walked up to the mic at West Forth's Cafe Society in New York City to sing her final song of the night. Per her request, the waiters stopped serving... Sorry, these fucking ads just keep popping up. <laughs> <laughs> fucking ads. God. Um, stopped serving and the room went completely black, save for a spotlight on her face. And then she sang softly in her raw and emotional voice. Now, these are some of the lyrics from Strange Fruit. So if you've never heard this before, it might be a little eye-opening to you. Sang in her raw and emotional voice, Southern Trees bear a string fruit. I'm obviously not going to sing this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Southern, Southern Trees bear a strange fruit. Blood on the leaves and blood at the root. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees now you want to talk about some lyrics yeah yeah no those 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 are those are bars those are those are crazy bars there's no way you can't just yeah you can't just like sway or dance out of that you know (laughs) like when somebody sings that especially in an intimate setting you just you're and i love this because I love when people, artists, force people to think. Mm-hmm. They force them. They're, they're like, listen, this is going to be one of those uncomfortable moments where you're just going to have to deal with and it. And I'm glad you said that because I'm going to get into that too. So black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. That's crazy. Like that should make you feel some type of way. I don't know which way, but that should make you feel some type of way. Uh, when Holiday finished, the spotlight turned off. When the lights came back on, the stage was empty. She was gone. And per her request, there was no encore. This was how Holiday performed Strange Fruit, which she would determinately sing for the next 20 years until her untimely death at the age of 44. Uh, Holiday may have popularized Strange Fruit and turned it into a work of art, but it was a Jewish communist teacher and civil rights activist from the Bronx. Abel Maripol, I might butcher that name, I don't know, mm. uh, who wrote it first as a poem, then later as a song. I didn't know that. Mm. His inspiration, Maripol came across a 1930 photo that captured the lynching of two black men in Indiana. The visceral image haunted him for days and prompted him to put pen to paper. After he published Strange Fruit in a teacher's union publication, Maripol composed it into a song and passed it on to a nightclub owner who then introduced it to Holiday. When Holiday heard the lyrics, she was deeply moved by them, not only because she was a black American, but also because the song reminded her of her father who died at 39 from a fatal lung disorder and after being turned away from a hospital because he was a black man. So mm. like, they didn't even want to help this nigga get better. Like They just thought he was better off dying. Um, because of the painful memories it conjured, Holiday didn't enjoy performing Strange Fruit, but knew she had to do it. It reminded her of how her pop died, she said of the song in her autobiography, but I have to keep singing it, not only because people ask for it, but because 20 years after her pop died, the things that killed him are still happening in the South. So little did I know this song was a protest anthem. It was a civil rights anthem, which I thought just really holds some weight. Like it just makes the song mm, yeah, hold even yeah, more weight to me Yeah, it's definitely different for sure. Um, while civil rights activists in Black America embraced Strange Fruit, 
The nightclub scene, which was primarily composed of white patrons, had mixed reactions, obviously. Yeah. At witnessing Holiday's performance, audience members would applaud until their hands hurt, while those less sympathetic would bitterly walk out the door. I bet. You know what? You don't want. Nobody, no white people want to sit in the crowd and hear about how their white brothers and sisters are out here hanging niggas from trees all the time. Like, you want to talk about scared? Like, we talk about emotions on here a lot. You want to talk about somebody being scared? Or willful be, blindness? Or willful blindness? There it is, right there. But even on top of that, you want to talk about scared? Imagine, man, a black person growing up in the South in the fucking 1940s. Like, how do you even sleep at night knowing that a bunch of white people can bust in the door right now, take your dad or your brother or your cousin out, hang them in a tree in your front yard and burn a cross and nobody's going to do nothing about it? You talk about scared, nigga. That's the type of scared I don't ever want to see. <laughs> yeah, no, that is that, that's unfathomable. Uh, one individual who was determined to silence Holiday was Federal Bureau of Narcotics Commissioner Harry Anslinger, a known Anslinger, a known racist. Anslinger believed that drugs caused black people to overstep their boundaries in American society and that black jazz singers who smoked marijuana created the devil's music. Okay. <laughs> All right. When Anslinger forbid Holiday to perform Strange Fruit, she refused, causing him to devise a plan to destroy her. This nigga is the Federal Bureau of Narcotics Commissioner. Why the fuck is he worried about her singing a song? Has not, And we're going to get into why, but it's just like, that's not even your playing field, my nigga. Like, you got bigger fish to fry. You don't want her to sing this song because it makes you and other white people like you face your demons. The shit that you're doing, you don't like hearing. You like to do it. You just don't want nobody talking about it. You don't want, you don't want nobody to talk about how you're viciously killing black people and hanging them from trees all left and right like it's like it's normal and okay. It's normal and okay when you do it, but when a black woman sings a song about it, you don't want that put out there. You don't want that to be in the know. Mm-hmm. So fuck that nigga. Um, <laughs> Harry Ann Slinger. <laughs> um, so yeah, when Ann Slinger forbid Holiday to perform Strange Fruit, she refused, causing him to devise a plan to destroy her. Knowing that Holiday was a drug user, he had some of his some of his men frame her by selling her heroin. When she was caught using the drug, she was thrown into prison for the next year and a half. Mm-hmm. Upon Holiday's release in 1948, federal authorities refused to re- reissue her cabaret performer's license. So I guess back then you had to have like a license to like perform in these big nightclubs. Um. So her nightclub days, which she loved so much, were over. Still determined to soldier on, she performed to sold-out concerts at Carnegie Hall, which I have to, I'm pretty sure is kind of a black institution, a place where black people uh, went to, you know, perform and things like that. Um, I'm sure there's more to the story of Carnegie Hall. I'm sorry. Uh, that's not what this is about. Um, but still, the demons of her difficult childhood which involved working at a brothel alongside her prostitute mother haunted her. She began using heroin again. 
1959, Holiday checked herself into a New York City hospital, suffering from heart and lung problems and cirrhosis of the liver due to decades of drug and alcohol abuse. The singer was, I might butcher this word, emaciated. Mm -hmm. um, the singer was an emaciated version of herself, mm -hmm. her once heartfelt voice now withered and raspy. Mm. Still bent on ruining her life, Harry Anslinger had his men go to the hospital, handcuff her to the bed, interrogate her about her drug use, which she checked herself in for. She's here to get help, nigga. Like, although Holiday had been showing gradual signs of recovery, her medical treatment was abruptly halted. Hmm... Now, it doesn't necessarily tell you whether Ann Slinger had to do that mm -hmm. or, or if he had part in that. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to put two and two together here and say that he had part in that. Yeah. So they stopped giving her medicine, stopped treating her, even though she was showing signs of life, showing signs that she was getting better. Um, Pretty much sounds like they forbid the doctors to treat her. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know that for a fact. Yes. But. Yes. We're not dumb. <laughs> yeah. Which is what they, which is, you know, what they'd like us to think is that we're dumb. Some, and that, some, know, some assumptions are kind of safe to make. Yes. Like, <laughs> uh, despite her tragic demise, Holiday has had a lasting legacy in the world of jazz and pop music. She garnered 23 Grammys, uh, Grammys posthumously and was recently inducted into the National Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame and Time Magazine uh, in 1999 also declared Strange Fruit as the song of the century. Ooh! God. Hey. Song of the century. Song of the century. That says a lot. That is, those are bars. That and goodness. um, there's recently been a movie put out about her. It's called The United States versus Billie Holiday. Mm. I've not seen it myself. Um, I I heard of but that, yeah. if you're, you know, if you're into into something like that, I'd I'd say go watch it. It's probably, you know, I, I you know I don't know if it's a great movie, but I'm sure you'd learn a lot in it. I'm sure you'd learn a few things uh, after watching that movie. So. Shout out to Billie Holiday. Shout out to everyone that's out there fighting the good old fight. Um, and, you know, she put her life, I mean, she put her life, you know, on the line, essentially, to perform this song that meant something to her, that meant something to the African-American community, and obviously hurt white people. It, it, yeah, it, it, meant, <laughs> because, it meant something to everyone. Yeah, it meant, yeah, it meant something to everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It meant yeah. something to everyone. So there's my little story about how black people change the world in their own ways. Yeah, it's there time and time again we see because there, there is there is a beauty in the struggle. I think we we know that. Yeah. That's where that's where beauty, that's where the most revelatory and beautiful and paradigm shifting art derives from is the struggle, it's from the pain. Yes. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you heard an artist say, you know, my pain is your pleasure? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like this is, I'm, I'm putting it out there for you all to be able to learn or gain something from, get a window. You know, you, I'm going to craft this window so that you don't have to live in here, but you can at least be able to peer through 
and see, look around at some of the things that I'm I'm trying to give you a passageway to just to just get an inkling of, to get a feel of, mm-hmm. to get a sense of. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go through it, but you're gonna hear these words and they're gonna touch you and they're gonna make you feel way, and you're going, I'm going to forcefully have you grow. <laughs> I'm gonna like, forcefully make you grow. She didn't even like to perform the song, but she felt like she had a duty to do it because she knows what it means to people, mm. black or white. She knows, you know what I'm saying? Because to black people, you kind of hear this song and you're like, you know, I'm glad someone's bringing this to light. I'm glad someone is talking about this. You know mm. what I'm saying? Because if, if nobody's going to talk about this, then it's going to continue to happen. Mm-hmm. But on the from the white perspective, or at least from the racist white perspective, mm-hmm. you're you know they hear this song and they just like you know they probably get a little like like mm-hmm. damn they out here they talking about this shit mm-hmm. and slinger what you gonna do and slinger right. they talking about this shit mm-hmm. like and and that's and that's the way it goes you stick your neck out might be the first to get chopped yeah you know what I mean and and which is actually funny about that as well is I just want to go ahead and. Get into this card now. Okay. Because our meaningfulness card of this week is what moves you to tears or gives you goosebumps. We pulled that after pulling five that we felt like we've already (laughs) sort of answered in other ways before on other episodes. And we stopped on this one because we felt, oh, this one's a little different. Mm -hmm. Like this we can do something with. And I thought quite a bit about it. And I thought of different different answers for it. I've been very in tune with my emotions recently. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching a whole lot of, well, not a whole lot, but different TV shows and series have definitely touched me and made some tears drop. And there's there's some continuity there. There's something that is linking a lot of these things together, whether it's a podcast I'm listening to or a TV show I'm watching. And it aligns perfectly with this Billie Holiday story. Okay. I am extremely moved, moved to tears, get goosebumps, am taken aback, have to take pause when I see on a, on maybe a smaller scale, the crucifixion of Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. These, these people that arise out of the masses and they say, nah, we not doing that. We're not doing that bullshit <laughs> anymore. If I have anything to say about it, people are going to know about this. People are going to think about this. I only got one shot at this. I don't know when my time is up here. So I'm going to go ahead and use it for something. People are going to, they're going to hear me. They're going to know that when I said something, it mattered. I meant what I said. I stood firm in my position. Mm. And I stood with my head held high. And this is it. This is me. Deal with it. And I've thought about, so many different people that have come and gone that have just stood that have stood tall for what they believed in and fought 
fought arduously for whatever fight it is they were fighting. And when I see that sort of determination and love and care for the betterment of people, because that's where it all derives. And then you, especially if you can see it, if it's in your time period, if you can actually see it taking place Mm -hmm. and it's not just a story of someone from in the past, those are still moving. Mm -hmm. But when you can see it happening and you see the people try to tear these people down, the lengths that people are willing to go to try to get these people out of here, Mm -hmm. shut them up, kill them, take away their platform, whatever it is. And they keep going no matter all the things that they're losing in life. They may be losing relationships that they've had with people or money, assets. Their name could be slandered up and down. And they're still waking up in the morning and something inside of them is telling them, but it, it, this is bigger than you. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. It's, this is way bigger than you. And you knew that when you started this, mm-hmm. you knew that you weren't doing this to get ahead. That's not what any of this fight has been about. It's about leaving this place better than how you found it. And that, that's what moves me to tears. That's what give me goose, gives me goosebumps when I see those people that are just so courageous that they stand up in the face of all the opposition and say, no, this is what I believe in. I, I've done my re and this isn't just some flippant whim of mine. This is something that I've experienced on a deep level. This is something I've done research in. This is something I believe this is this is a responsibility that I have seen be jettisoned, tossed to the side, abdicated, lost and forgotten. People are not doing this thing. And if I have a problem with what's going on in the world, it's not enough for me to point fingers and say, they ought to fix it. They ought to fix it. Why aren't they doing it? No, then it's my turn now. Mm -hmm. If I have a problem with something and I don't see that it's being fulfilled, then I need to be the one to go over there. Then, then that's where the opportunity is for me. Mm-hmm. I'll take that responsibility. And seeing seeing those people, seeing those people emerge and and sustain. They're martyrs. It is. It's just. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because if there's anything to live for, it's it's that. Mm-hmm. It's it's that for me. For mm-hmm. me, that's. That's meaning. That's meaningfulness to me. Mm. So that's that's my answer to that question. Um, my answer is, I'm gonna go with the more more so the goosebumps aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I get goosebumps when I watch people. And I think you've talked about this slightly at some point. Mm. When I watch people do things that they are really <laughs> really good at. Yeah 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 yeah. I yeah. get goosebumps. I feel you. I totally 1000% agree with you. Like I'll be on my phone looking at Instagram. I'm, I'm watching like these fucking UFC highlights and shit. Cause I follow a lot of like sports pages. I'm watching these motherfuckers. I'm getting goosebumps right now. Think, just like think, <laughs> listening to you and thinking about this. Like I'm watching these people, 
know what I'm saying, doing these fucking moves, knocking niggas out. And I'm just like, you know, I was like, oh, you just know what I'm the, saying? Just like, the technicality. Yeah, like these niggas are nice. Like, I'm watching like- Where do they make you? Yeah, <laughs> like I'm watching basketball highlights, football highlights. I'm watching niggas get juked out, crossed over, just dunking on niggas. Like it just, it gives me goosebumps. Watching people do things. Imagine really any bas- any NBA basketball team playing any NBA basketball team from 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyone that watches not even anyone that game. watches basketball, you know how fucking hilarious that is. It's not even the same. Thing. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> um, and I'm gonna transition to our our show that uh, we've been watching. Um, mm. There's a show. That me and Earl have watched recently on HBO Max. Yo, shout out to HBO Max. They are fucking, they're not even, they're just killing the streaming game right now. Like, they they got it. They're not scared of Netflix. They, yeah, they're not scared. They're not, they not scared of Disney Plus, are, no. they, are they? No. Okay. Fuck that. Are they? No. Who is, though? Someone's scared Who's of Disney Plus. Who's scared of Disney Plus? Somebody ought to be, I feel like. <sighs> who's, the, the, who's the lowest on the rung? Like who's the lowest rung on the ladder? There's so many streaming platforms. Like yeah, I suppose so. Many of them. so. I suppose so. so. I, I mean, the ones that people are who watching Showtime. <laughs> What's on Showtime or Star uh, or Stars? Uh, I feel. I, I feel like. I, I mean, I'm certain there's some stuff on there. I'm not trying to complete uh, shit on it, but I feel like when it comes to Netflix, know. Disney Plus, and HBO, uh, and Hulu, Hulu, those are definitely yeah. like. Yo, Showtime stars like get out of the way. Stop playing. Like, <laughs> stop playing. Like you can't play this game. Like, um, yeah, but HBO is killing it right now. They've got this show called Mayor of East Town, starring Kate Winslet. Um, and Love a few, her. A few other people that you'll probably recognize too. Um, we're gonna get into that in a second, but I'm gonna finish off my card here. Mm. Watching this show gave me goosebumps and de- definitely made me teary eyed. Yeah. Um, it is an excellent show. There's, it's just so, it just seems so personal. Mm-hmm. Like now we're, now we're going to start talking about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just seems so who, personal. Who, who done it? Yeah, sort of mystery. Kind of a mystery. And was it Pennsylvania? I think it's in, I think that's where it is. Pennsylvania. So. Right, right, right. Um, small town in Pennsylvania where everybody knows each other. Um, you like, and you can tell cause everyone talk like everyone, every single time someone interacts, they know that person on a first name basis. For sure. They know they know their family. Yeah. They know where they've been, their whole backstory. It, it seems like all the adults in this show that are like 40 plus went to high school together. Right, for sure. Those are very interesting towns to me, uh-huh. period, though, because we didn't grow up in that. Nah. Those are very interesting towns. I'm certain some people love it. Sense of, a, a different sort of sense of community comes out of that, but I'm certain a lot of people, maybe some people that are listening to this, are like, no, fuck you, this shit is not cool. <laughs> I do not like any time I do anything, everyone knows every detail about uh, it. That's not cool. Yeah, that probably is really nah, weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't need too much of that. Yeah, but. that's a lot. <laughs> but, but Kate Winslet, I, I think I told you, I believe, or at least maybe I already kind of see it this way. I think she'll be looked at as like a Meryl Streep. She just takes on very awesome roles, she's and she's really, very, and she really sells it. She's, she's a really, really good, good actress. At it. And you know that is not her accent, by the way. I didn't know that. She has an English, she, yes, she has an English accent. Yo, she is from across the pond. They are taking over right now. <laughs> like, they, the, all the, uh, all the British folks, all Idris. the British, Actors and actresses. Uh, the guy from, uh, I don't know his name, um, Damsel Idris. He's from Snowfall. 
no. Daniel Kaluuya, he shit. He, uh, yeah, he's from yeah, over there for too. Sure, for like sure. they're they're Benedict Cumberbatch. I yeah, don't know if you, you know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Doctor Strange. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, he's not. I mean, he's in a bunch of shit. But yeah, Dr. yeah, Strange. but but Doctor Strange, yeah, <laughs> probably most notable for you. Yeah. I know him more more so as Sherlock. Yeah, he's also he was also in um a movie that Johnny Depp was in when he played like a notorious gangster that was like on the run for forever. Oh, and, Public Enemies was he? That was a no, while ago. No, I was about to say, I don't think he was. That's not I didn't what I'm see thinking him of. Oh, this, another this one. This was more modern day. Oh, this is, uh, oh, when he was Whitey Bulger. Yes. Yeah, yes, very movie, true. He was movie. his brother yeah, that was, was a like politician. A or a senator or yeah, something. Yeah, very true. Um, very, but yeah, he's true. been in a bunch of cool stuff. Um, but in this show, I just feel like every person in the show, you just, not every person, but you just kind of feel like you know someone that's like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many different characters in this show playing different roles, but the roles are so realistic. For you know sure. What I'm saying? You just feel like you know somebody that is just like that person. They did a very, very good job at that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's like, it's scary how good it is. It, I guess it, that's what you're saying with the goosebumps. Yeah, like, it's like, oh yeah. my gosh, like, this is so close yeah. to home. Like, sorry, I'm... I'm, I'm spoiler alert. Oh, so, yeah, spoiler so, alert. Yeah. yeah. We so haven't put anything it, out just yet. Yeah. So really, we haven't. But yeah. are you, I mean, do yeah, we know? sure. We okay. can go into it. I mean, I, yeah. I love it. I love the show. Um, What do you want to, what do you want to say that's, that's really spoiling um, I, I want to talk about the, the part in, uh, we've, there's only two episodes out right now and. Comes out every Sunday. Comes out every Sunday. You want to catch up. But through the two episodes, there was one part. This is the part that made me so teary eyed that just. I was just so fucking blown away by when they had to go in that house and tell Mr. I think McMiniman or whatever his name is. Yes. That his daughter was dead. I I was anticipating it. Mm-hmm. I was almost just scared that it was about to happen. Mm-hmm. And just, just the raw, uh, I don't know the dude's name, like his real name. Like, right. I don't know, but the raw emotion that he put out in that scene after they told him that his daughter was killed, that shit's blew and you me could, the fuck and, away. And, and what, what hit me more so is that you could only imagine because he has to relive in his mind- his, The last moments? The last life. moments. And probably all the moments that he yeah. yelled at her, that he yep. treated her like, like shit. shit. Yep. And, and then this. But he clearly very much cared for her. Yeah. But and he had the worst way of showing it. Yeah. Now, obviously something happened to her mother. I don't know if they, mm, they talked about really that dabble. specifically. Yeah. yeah. But mom's not in their life. Seems like shit started really going bad mm. when mom left or died or whatever happened to her. Mm. I don't know just yet. But it seems like after that happened, a lot of shit just kind of like just got fucked up in that house. Yeah, I thought it was... I thought the scene where her getting to the woods to meet this person she's been texting, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that turned out to be her baby daddy's girlfriend that set her up to come out into the woods mm-hmm. so she could whoop her ass. And the, and the baby father is there watching it. Like he, helped, he, he helped plan this. Coming from the perspective of a person that has, I, I, don't even, I don't even like using this word, but a baby mother. Yes. Um, that's a bitch ass nigga. Bro, what? I couldn't even imagine doing something like that. And even. As like, pathological, that is like. You just gonna he is sit. he is ill. He is sick. You gonna sit here watch 
your your son's mother get her ass whooped by your girlfriend and then you're gonna go home and just take care of the kid like like none of this shit matters are you kidding like so that along with some of the things or one clear instance of someone that we used to know or at least i used to know mm-hmm. getting into some shit recently this this week right mm-hmm. getting caught up going to prison mm-hmm. It made me think, of, and this was this was a very very sad thought. And I know people have thought about this before when you've maybe seen people at a ten year reunion or just maybe out of the street that you knew from high school. Mm. It is so sad to see people peak in middle school, uh-huh. peak in high school, where their best years are behind them at the age of 11, 12, 13, 14. A lot of these kids in this TV show, they have peaked. Mm-hmm. Their life is is on the downhill from there. They're not getting any better. And to be someone that that revels in the opportunity at any given moment to get better and achieve more and has this vision of of being I mean the the vision that I have for myself in the future is it's insane. If I could show you in my mind what it looks like, it is insane. Mm-hmm. If anyone thinks that I have any bit of potential or intelligence or charisma or level headedness, clarity, any of these things. I'm talking about tenfold. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a true sagehood. <laughs> that's what I'm talking. That's that's the envisionment, right? Okay. To think that not only is this happening in this TV show, but like you said, it maps onto real life so well. Mm-hmm. I know people, you know people, Mm -hmm. listeners, we all know people that have peaked. It is over. (laughs) (laughs) It is over for them. All the best parts of your life (laughs) are done. And a lot of it due to bringing it all the way back to willful blindness. Mm -hmm. To the fact that you don't want to have those uncomfortable moments that breed growth Mm -hmm. and revelation. It is so sad. But when I watch that show, I'm like, gosh, this is just ignorance and hatred breeding. Ignorance and hatred. Mm -hmm. This is a bad place to be for a lot of y'all. And then I had to think about this part, too, because I'm just like, as a parent, you run up in the restaurant Mayor is just like, nah, fuck that. We're going we gonna to arrest her right here in front of right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm just. Mayor thinking, is, by the way, I, oh my, she get it man, done. She is a beast. She gets it she is done. A beast. Come. <laughs> so she goes in the restaurant. She arrests, I think her name is Brianna. Brianna, yeah, saying. indeed. She arrests Brianna. And then the fucking dad is chasing her around town all fucking, or like the next night, you know what I'm saying? Throws the fucking gallon of milk through her window talking about, how can you do this? How can you? I'm not going to allow you to ruin my daughter's life, is what he said. One, that already happened. Two, (laughs) nigga, she was on video beating the shit out of a girl who was found dead the next day. 
What do you want us? What do you want Mayor to do, bro? I I had this conversation with the person I watched it with. You want her to let that shit slide? <laughs> like, come on. It is. It is a. Bro, that's why I brought willful. That's why I brought this plausible deniability into this conversation because the extents of it are are they're insurmountable. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't even believe how extensive people will be when it comes to walking away from a piece of knowledge that would enlighten them to something. Mm -hmm. They they know if I don't know, if I don't accept this piece of knowledge, I don't have to take on the responsibility of fixing anything. I can remain in this ignorance and just continue to do ignorant shit forever. And, and no one can fault me for that because I don't know any better. Mm. Although what's interesting in the book is in, in there are companies where if that plausible deniability shit, you can get charged for that. Mm. If you're a CEO and you have an idea or inkling that your accountant is cooking the books, they're doing some weird shit behind the scenes, and you don't go and figure it out and investigate, you could easily be brought down along with them. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? So, no, you can, you can be, as an adult, you should be tried for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I was having the conversation with the lady friend, and this is something that we see far, far too often, especially in customer service, far too often where parents, they are blinded by the love and care that they want to have and the, the undying support for their child mm -hmm. that they coddle them way too much and they do not reprimand them for the wrongdoings each and every day. And that, that can be so toxic and so corrosive to personality through time because that's when we have to deal with these adults that feel entitled to fucking whatever. Right. Because they've never had someone tell them, no, what right. are you doing? That's what are you that's not right. that's not socially acceptable. Right. You can't do that. So it's it's a very, very slippery, it's a very, very slippery slope. And it's something that has to be integrated into the personality from what I've read before, you know, four years old. Is the child has or there's a chance that they'll never be really socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. That has to happen early on. You have to let them know that we're all playing a game and there's certain ways to play the game. Mm -hmm. And you have to be a good sport. You have to take accountability. You have to follow the rules. You have to play along. You have to be cooperative. There's a lot of things that people don't learn how to do. And then they become older. Brianna's right. running around punching people in the face right. and so like just acting, acting a fool. And their parents are the one to blame for right. it. Absolutely. And it's just so as a as a father, I'm sure you you can you can sort of attest to that being a very real possibility. Yeah. And you seeing it, and I'm certain you've seen it in people around you, and mm -hmm. you probably don't feel because we don't do things as villages so much anymore. Mm -hmm. You probably feel like it's out of pocket. It's it's not your place to tell someone, yo, like you should probably tell your kid, like you can't do that. <laughs> that is not okay. They can't continue believing that this is 
acceptable behavior. Mm. They're going to grow up being the person that no one wants to be around. No kids are coming on the door and knocking and asking if so-and-so wants to come outside and play. And guess what? That's going to translate into life. And no one's ever going to ask them to play. Mm. And what asking them to play is when you get older is much more consequential. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we're talking about job opportunities. Mm-hmm. We're talking about relationship opportunities missed. All of that. Yeah. And that leads them. So if you care for them, you can't let them. You can't just make these excuses for them. If you care for them and you want to support them, you have to have those uncomfortable conversations that I spoke about on the last episode. Yeah. That's crazy. You're not going to ruin my daughter's life. What are you talking? Right. You ruined her life when you raised her like right. this. Exactly. And she and she <clears throat> put the cherry on top when she decided to film some or her friend filmed it while she t- tricked this girl to come out here, this lonely girl to come out here and beat her up. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that's just ridiculous. And then um, I really liked the scene where my was- child ain't getting no sympathy. <laughs> I catch a video of my child beating somebody up. You getting every bit of whatever the law thinks you are. Fuck that. You have to. Yeah, nah, you getting every bit of that. Does you- it, it doesn't mean that you don't love them anymore. It doesn't no. mean any of that. It just, it means that, especially if they're an adult, like you're going to have to face your yes, consequences. Yes, like, because that is the real world. Consequences. Cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is real. That is reality. Mm-hmm. Get some. <laughs> Soak some of that up. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Yeah, but I mean, there's a ton of great stories happening individually. Oh, God, there's so much going on. There's so many With, characters. Yeah, in in the show. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what's her name? The the girl, uh, the woman whose daughter was like, is missing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Been missing for a while. Yes, who's going when, through cancer treatments. When she showed up and got Dawn. in line in front of Mayor for the basketball announcements, when they I was just like, oh, oh, so oh, they are a lot, they are a lot closer than I thought they were. Was, I was like, it was okay. on the squad together. Yeah, it was on like the- they they are so close. I'm it makes it so hard mm. for Mayor to be this detective and that's the, overseeing, that's this, overseeing investigation. this investigation. The daughter's been missing for a year, and Dawn is just over here, just on Mayor's case constantly. You know what I'm saying? That goes again to these people that stand up. Mm-hmm. Very when she's standing there giving that press conference, Mayor is giving this press conference in front of the police station. She's letting them know this person was killed. And then Dawn screams out, why don't you know anything? Fine, get somebody that's more competent. What the fuck? You still don't know what happened to my daughter. She's been gone for a year now. What's up? Very, very difficult job to have it is. in a small town, it for is. sure. It is. And they and she knowingly, and all of those police officers, they put themselves at the forefront, knowing that what they do is important and it matters, but also knowing the backlash that comes with any shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And that is that is honorable. Nigga walk, knock on your door, like, any updates? Like, everybody's so close. It's very, so close. Yeah, it's very, very now, honorable. Now, I'm going to get on Mayor a little bit here. She needed some help. She, I don't know why she was trying to deny having this other, uh, this other detective come in and help her out. It's very clear that you need help. Mm-hmm. And I think we've, we've probably talked about at some point how you just, like, if you... If you need, like you sometimes you just gotta accept help. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. 
Like you're out here taking this shit storm in these interviews, but you're inside the office thinking that you can do it on your own. Get some fucking help. That's why that's why I love these types of shows that are that seem like they're going to give us very promising character development. Mm, oh yeah. Because I'm certain oh, we're yeah. going to continue to learn things about her and learn why she's so hardened to the world around her. Mm-hmm. I, I'm 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 I am I'm definitely believing in that. And like it was funny through the whole couple of ep- first two episodes, I'm wondering like what happened to her son? Mm-hmm. Why is she with her grandson mm-hmm. the whole time? And then fucking I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what happened, but Brianna called her ass out yes. in that interview, and I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. put her on put her on mute, in, yeah, shut her ass up, indeed, shut her ass up. I'm no, I'm I'm excited for this show. It's yeah. a good one. It's a good Thank show. you for recommending it. You knew me well. You knew I'd love it. Yeah. Uh, we we recommend clearly. We yes. recommend you go yeah. watch this show. Yeah. Mayor of East Town. That's M A R E. Mayor of East Town. Yep. HBO Max. Even a clever name, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah, like she's sure. not the mayor, mm-hmm. but she's a prominent mayor. figure mm-hmm. in a very small environment. So mm-hmm. it's almost like she's just as important. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And she's like the only thing this town has a claim to fame on because of, of a fucking basketball championship Lady 25 Hawk. years ago. Lady Hawk. <laughs> yeah, hey, no, it's good. Hey. And shout out to Rolling Rock, because y'all got promotion all through that fucking show. <laughs> Niggas is yeah, they definitely got Rock. the Rolling Rocks Niggas on there. Taking I seen Cocoa Puffs in the background. <laughs> yeah, I saw some Cocoa Puffs and Rolling Rock for sure. Now they definitely getting it. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. All right, let me let me pull this card. All right. Let me pull this card and let's see what we got for next week. <laughs> Our Okay. Our meaningfulness card for next week is. What did you learn from your biggest regret? Let that one settle in. Let that one sink. This one, this is going to be deep. Let the, let, let that one sink. Because I already know what I want to talk about. Let that one sink. And it's going to, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let that one sink. All right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's I mean, you, you good? Uh... You, what you want to do? I mean, I mean, what we, what we. I mean, I know you got it. You got somewhere nah. to be. I don't, you know, it's whatever. Nah, I got. I do actually have one more thing. Oh yeah, go for it, man. Talk to the people. If this is, you know, I'm gonna end this on some lighthearted shit. Um, at someone else's expense. Shout out to this person that was okayed me telling this story. <laughs> um, that's the best. So, we all know what we all, for the most part, know what happened with the George Floyd. Uh, when he died and all that. Um, That's not really what this is about. What it is about is what happened before that. So this all, it all kind of started out with him getting flagged for using a a counterfeit $20 bill. Am I correct? Yes. That's what I believe to be the the case. And then all that other shit took place after that. But like I said, we've talked about George Floyd plenty of times on here. Maybe we will again, but that's not what this is about today. Mm. I know somebody who went to jail for a night for using a fake $20 bill. Did they know they were using one? No, mm. they didn't. Mm. So this person was out with friends. They were at a restaurant um, having food or having drinks, something like that. One of their friends picked up a 20 off the floor and decided, oh, wow, a 20. Oh, my I'm lucky gonna day. Give, I'm going to give it to <laughs> this person. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
And just for the story, the person that went to, to that went to jail, we're gonna call him Fabo, like the rapper. Understood. Um, so Fabo, they leave the first restaurant. Fabo has this twenty dollar bill in his pocket that he doesn't know is fake. Mm. They go to another place, I think, to get food, like a diner or something like that, if I remember correctly. Fabo attempts to use the twenty dollar bill to pay for his food in there. He didn't make it out <laughs> because the police came in there and took his ass out of there because the person, I don't know if it was maybe the person ringing up the meal or whatnot, called the police. Very similarly to what happened in the George Floyd story. Now, it's really interesting to me, like, because we're both in customer service. Indeed. Isn't the first thing you're supposed to do is just say, sorry, sir or madam, I can't take this bill it's counterfeit maybe you don't even say that but you just ask for another form of payment i i don't i don't know if that's necessary policy or not well yeah yeah it's not maybe not in each individual rule book but Mm -hmm. i'm just saying that's like why is calling the police your first response yeah why is that i think that's interesting that's that's wild because I would, to be honest, assume that somebody wouldn't know. I think with all the money circulating, I've heard this story numerous times uh-huh. that people have tried to use some cash, mm-hmm. some some <laughs> what they thought was valid tender, uh-huh. and it didn't go through. They got a little the black mark, you know, at, at the, or the black marker check uh-huh. in the back, usually for a hundred dollar bills, right? That's like who's it. checking twenty. That's hilarious. Who's checking twenty? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty funny that they caught that on a twenty. Yeah, I wouldn't just call the police. Yeah, like why is that the first thing that happens? Like lock him up. So get this dog out of here, the, damn scoundrel. The police are called. They take Fabo away. Fabo has to sit in jail all night. They didn't. They took Fabo's shoestring, so he didn't try to commit suicide. Not saying that he was going to do that, but I guess that's just kind that's of protocol. standard procedure. Yeah. Took his shoestrings. He was in there sharing, you know, one of them big holding cells with like ten other people. One little bathroom in the corner. Got to go piss in the corner with ten niggas behind you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that guy. I mean, they're like an animal over yeah, the, over the people, twenty <laughs> people in there asking him what he's in there for. You know, probably a bunch of brolic <laughs> niggas. You know what I'm saying? It's been there a couple of times. And it's just like you gotta stop calling the police on people for dumb shit. Like this, <laughs> like, this is dumb. Fabo spends a night in jail because Dang. of a twenty, a counterfeit twenty that he didn't even know was fake. That was picked up off the floor by a friend of his. Yeah, did he get processed for that? They, what What was the outcome? No charges were filed. No charges were filed. No charges were filed. But it's still like I spend a night in jail. I'd be pissed. Right, for, or some, or some for like sure. I'd be pissed. Yeah, definitely like def- definitely never going back to that eatery again. Oh, hell no. Not because I plan on using fake bills in the future, but because I don't like you guys anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, what are y'all on in here? You called the police, though? Right. That's right. So that, no, nah, that's crazy. That's crazy. And and then you get, you know what I'm saying? You this guy He spends a night in jail because of this. For something that he didn't even mean to do. Like, there's got to be more of a standard procedure for situations like this. I know that where I where I was working, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? You just ask them for another form of payment. Say that you can't take this. Yeah, I guess, 
yeah, you don't know who you could have been working for. This this didn't necessarily have to just be some fucking boy scout. I was like, oh, put him away. He tried to use $20. It was fake. Like, it didn't have to necessarily be that person. It could have just been someone that was new. Maybe it was their first gig. They did. They they were taught if somebody does this, call the police. Don't don't wait. Don't go up to them and ask them anything because you. It may have possibly been a real thing, a real, a real trial, right? Mm. That this person was going to try to get over on us and steal whatever, and if they find out that they were caught, then we don't know what ensues after that. Mm-hmm. We don't know how stable this person is. They ain't here trying to use fake money. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what they're willing to do to get out of here mm-hmm. without handcuffs on. <laughs> so it's better that you probably just go and call the police mm-hmm. so that we don't have to deal with none of that. Somebody get up. Everybody get on the ground now. Everybody get on the everyone get on the floor. Like you, you know, so I could I could see that being an outcome. Cause people are crazy. Mm-hmm. People are absolutely insane. So I, I could now that I just walked through that, I could see why maybe managers like, nope, we gotta call the police. We can't. But it's just we, like with all the fake and, money. And if and if and if it is fake money, mm-hmm. then they that that'll be figured out later on by the police. But it's not for us to get into. That'll get figured out and he won't get charged and he'll continue living his life just fine. But we but but if we but we can't cover no liabilities, like if if anything goes wrong in here, mm. that's because we didn't take the necessary precaution. I'm getting a little bit more of it now, now that I think about it. I get I, I get it. I get yeah, it. Because it, you you say that until that one time where some crazy motherfucker tries to use a hundred, can't pay for it, is told that the police are about to come. And then he gets up and starts acting a fool in there. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, that that could happen. That certainly could happen. Um, I would also be mad if I picked up a $20 bill, didn't know it was counterfeit and had to go and spend the night in jail yeah. with 10 other dudes. <laughs> I'd also be upset there. But I, I think I get it, though. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I just, you know, I've been knew this story had happened, but I just happened to tie it to the whole George Floyd thing. Uh Luckily, Fabo is still here with us. Well, that is that's great. That's great to hear, and yeah. it's and it's something to be said. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, yeah, that's all I got, man. All right, cool. This was a good one. Was this episode fifty-eight? Fifty-eight. Woo! Cinquenta Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, thank you everyone for listening yet again. Oh, last words, last words. You got some last um, words for the people before we close. Last out? words is. If you're out here in these streets, you know, keep fighting the good old fight, um, fighting for what you believe in, um, and, you know, trying to make the world a better place, I suppose. That's what I ended on. My last words. If you listen to that excerpt from the book that I read at the very beginning of this episode, and you felt like you're that person... (laughs) Or you feel like you've never been that person. Um, There's some sort of delusion going on. Because at some point, I'm certain you were a bit of that person. Even if it was just for certain moments of the day. When someone tried to reveal something to you that was bitter. If you know people 
that are walking around willfully blinded. I say more power to you. I say it's not your responsibility to enlighten them. Try as you may, you'll find out that it's up to the person to willingly walk into a situation that will birth or encourage growth. You cannot force that upon people. Certainly, certainly not through berating them in conversation, maybe in in less subtle, but much more impactful ways as we heard Billie Holiday did with her song. But if any bit of that spoke to you, my words for you are try your very best to not be that type of person. Do not be that type of person that just does not want to know for the fear, anything else, for the fear that you could possibly gain hope and simultaneously lose it because there is beauty in the struggle. There is beauty in the growth. There is beauty in the failure. And those are my last words. Peace. Peace.